0: Welcome to Hound Headlines. Today on the show, we'll tell you about a woman who is suing the RSPCA after she began fostering a dog from that organization.
1: And Elon Musk solves his CEO recruitment problem by appointing his dog as head of Twitter. And we celebrate the life of Spencer, the dog from the
0: Boston Marathon.
1: And Stucky, the mummified dog, found inside a tree
0: that and more on today's episode of hound headlines from dog podcast network hi i'm james jacobson in maui hawaii
1: and i'm claire mansell in london england our show today is brought to you by everpup the ultimate daily dog supplement find out more at everpup.com
0: We start off in England where Joanna Harris is suing the RSPCA for 200,000 pounds after she began fostering a dog that she got there.
1: This is the ultimate fostering gone wrong story. She took this dog in, who is called Kiwi, in order to get it out of a kennel environment and hopefully ultimately pass it on to a family who wanted to adopt it. It was an American bulldog, a very large, muscular dog. And in her home, it then attacked her existing pet. She got in between the two dogs to try and separate them. And Kiwi then latched onto her arm. She ran into the garden to try and alert the neighbour that she was being attacked by the dog. And
0: when the neighbour came, they couldn't do anything because Kiwi was pretty aggressive, so they called the police. 20 minutes later, the police arrive Kiwi has not gotten rid of his grip on her arm and is moving towards her neck. And the police tase the dog, not once, not twice, but three times until finally the dog releases her from his grip.
1: And this is an extraordinary thing to happen in the UK, Jim. You know, I know tasering is more common in North America, but it's only something that we have had relatively recently in the last few years. And it's not something you hear about often in the news. And for a dog to be tasered three times is extraordinary. So this is a dog who obviously was really stubbornly hanging on to this woman. She was taken to hospital. She had lost a lot of blood and Ultimately, they then had to amputate her arm. And so this is the root of this case against the RSPCA is this woman is now permanently disabled as a result of taking in this dog. And she's saying that, you know, she should have been alerted to the fact that it was potentially a dangerous dog. And the
0: lawyers who are representing her in this case are actually using a law that the RSPCA ironically had helped to bring into law to protect dogs, and their owners in Great Britain.
1: Yeah, the Animal Welfare Act, which, you know, has has very good things at the heart of it. And ultimately, in this case, is, is protecting someone who was attacked by a dog. But, you know, it brings up lots of questions, doesn't mm. it, Jim? Because, you know, suing a charity who are trying to do good for animals, I understand why she's doing it, but taking money away from them ultimately might mean bad things for other animals. And, of course... It brings up this question of do these very strong, potentially dangerous animals belong in our homes? And we do have dogs in the UK that are banned. And we've talked about that before on DPN and how that unfairly penalises some dogs which have lots of positive attributes. And indeed, so does the American bulldog.
0: Yeah, well, the American Bulldog, unfortunately, was caught up in another story last week about a dog attack that occurred also in Great Britain, where the uh, the person who was attacked ended up dying of their injury. So it's two American Bulldog tragedies in a row in a very short period of time in the same place. And I know that we know that people love American Bulldogs. They are often thought of as friendly and actually really good with kids, The thing is, they're really strong. They are bred for farm work and they bring down feral pigs and uh, they're quite tough. And in this case, kiwi was very muscular. And uh, just wouldn't let go. Of course, Kiwi was destroyed after the incident. And it is a sad thing to, to hear about these things. And all I could think of when I first learned about this is when bad things happen to good people. Because clearly, mm. Ms. Harris was trying to do good, a dog lover. And this was a, a really sad tragedy
1: and if you are an american bulldog owner and i'm sure there are many of them in the uk and you want to talk about the positive attributes of them we would love to hear from you to give some balance to this story because it's very easy to demonize a breed and as i say we've talked about that before with some of the banned breeds in the uk give us your perspective send us some photos we'd love to see them Dogpodcastnetwork.com is our website or you can contact us on social media
0: Let's move on to the United States where I guess we can talk about another bulldog. Uh, (laughs) Elon Musk, who is the CEO, owner of Twitter, recently sat down with the BBC to talk about a number of things. This is an interview that if you haven't seen, we will have a link to it in today's show notes. It's an extraordinary interview in terms of many things. But as it relates to dogs, what did he say,
1: Claire? (laughs) he said that he has appointed his dog as CEO of Twitter. Now, this comes out of the fact that a few months ago, he did a poll on Twitter saying, should he resign as the CEO? And it kind of backfired on him because the majority of people said yes.
0: So I, I got to say, I was one of those people who voted. Uh, yeah, I think so.
1: Yeah, I, I also voted. Yeah. But, you know, partly just to mess with him, because it's a silly thing to do to put the poll out there on your own platform and say, should I resign? Because it's never going to go in your favor. And he said he would honor the results of the poll. And then he kind of backed down a bit and he said, well, I can't find anyone to do the job. And so in this interview, they said, have you appointed anyone? He said, yeah, my dog is now CEO, which is interesting.
0: And of course, there's the whole connection with Dogecoin. And there's a lot of dog memes going on on Mm. Twitter. But he says, you know, the dog has a black turtleneck, which I guess is a reference to (laughs) the, the reporter says, is it Steve Jobs or Elizabeth Holmes? He says Elizabeth Holmes. So the dialogue between the BBC reporter and Musk is something that I have never seen before. I've seen people who are being interviewed try to be aggressive with the host. That was a little playful. It later on got pretty aggressive where Musk was questioning the BBC about Covid facts and information, and and it put the reporter in a very awkward position of having to defend the BBC. When at least from my perspective, if you sit down with a newsmaker, the newsmaker is not supposed to attack the organization that you work for. And if you're, you know, just a reporter covering the story, this isn't the management of the BBC. And and he does a lot of stuff. There are some very interesting. <laughs> videos on youtube that like diagram the, all the rhetorical techniques that musk uses either consciously or subconsciously to disarm the reporter but it's a, it's a really interesting study for those of us who care about journalism and perhaps not the best way to either conduct an interview or to be interviewed
1: You know, you say you've never seen anything quite like it. I watched it and I immediately thought of something that I have seen that is very much like it. And it's nothing to do with interviewing. It is if you've ever watched a David Attenborough documentary, occasionally they have this footage of a lion that will catch something like a young deer and it will play with it for a Mm -hmm. little bit before it kills it. And, mm-hmm. yeah, th- there's always this sort of like, oh, how cute, the lion has made friends with the deer. And it's like, no, this is not going to end well, and it never does end well. That's what it reminded me of.
0: Yeah, it's cat and mouse. It, is a, it was a really painful thing to watch. And-
1: it was deeply uncomfortable. <laughs> Just, I oh, I, I, I didn't like this, the the bristling, if it was dogs, you know, heckles would have been up all the way through it. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was. And so uh, we were talking before the show, like who should have conducted an interview? So I, I would like to put myself forward. I would love uh, Mr. Musk to come on DPN and we'll have a little chat about dogs and whatever you'd like to talk about. Uh, and we won't talk about DPN. But uh, who would you like to see interviewed uh, Elon Musk?
1: Well, this is an unconventional choice. And I just have to explain why I've picked this person. They're not a journalist. I've picked them because they're just as awkward as Elon Musk was in the interview. And I thought the two of them together could be awkward and bristly together, which was Jordan Peterson, who's the mm. Canadian academic who has lots of controversial views. I thought, yeah, Jordan Peterson interviewing Elon Musk, those two together could just be... be good. Yeah, could be really spiky with each other. And that would be an interesting thing.
0: If he's not going to agree to an interview with us, I think Kara Swisher any lunch chat
1: (laughs) now back to the dog thing jim one of the things i did think is he said obviously this the dog has been appointed as ceo well clearly this must have happened after all the redundancies because there's no way that a dog would have laid off six and a half thousand people you know dogs are way too loyal for that
0: they're loyal yeah
1: (laughs) also i did wonder they were questioned him about sleeping on the couch in the office, you know, in the BBC interview. And I thought, well, maybe, maybe that was the dog's idea. Cause everyone knows a dog who loves sleeping on the couch. So <laughs> maybe that was one of the dog's suggestions. I don't know.
0: I would, again, I encourage you to come on the show here and, and talk to us a little bit about dogs at Twitter. Cause there are a lot of tech companies that really do encourage dogs in the workplace and Maybe Twitter does. Let's move on from San Francisco, where that interview took place, to the other side of the United States, Boston. The Boston Marathon was recently run, and they are celebrating the life of a celebrated dog at the Boston Marathon.
1: Spencer, the official Boston Marathon dog. He has had that title only since last year, but he's been very involved in the Boston Marathon for the last eight years and kind of been a bit of an unofficial mascot up until his official title started last year. And he was 13 years old and had had a two-year battle with cancer and sadly passed away. And they they were honoring him and his amazing contribution to kind of morale at the Boston Marathon by having this parade of golden retrievers along the route. They
0: had a hundred golden retrievers yeah. celebrating Spencer, who of course died of cancer. Seventy-five percent of goldens die of cancer, oh. but he has been a big part of the Boston Marathon for many years, hasn't he?
1: Yes, it was all from this viral video a few years ago where he was holding the um, Boston Strong flags in his. Mouth in the rain along the route. And, you know, this, as I say, was a big boost to morale. And so the video went viral and then it, he became a bit of a thing. And there is actually some great video footage you can see of runners stopping mid race and getting a selfie with him. And I, I have to emphasize as a runner that the Boston Marathon is quite a serious business. You have to qualify <laughs> to get into it. And certainly for me, in my age bracket, I would have to have a time of three hours and fifty minutes, which I'm nowhere near. Okay. So I will never be running the Boston Marathon. But these these people who've got these amazing times go along to obviously repeat the amazing times, but yet have the time to stop in the middle of the marathon and have a photo with a selfie. And they were like the video footage I saw, there were like 12 of them queuing, just standing outside the road, Just
0: just waiting just to be there. For risk. a photo of the yeah. dog. Wow. <laughs> so,
1: it was obviously a big thing, and I, I do get that. You know, a celebrity golden retriever, you've got to love that.
0: We're going to take a quick break right here, but when we come back, mummy dogs. We'll be right back. And now, a message from your dog Every day with you is like a day at the beach, and I want as many beach days as possible. I want to run and sniff and find a good stick to carry. I want to roll in the grass and warm my belly in the sun. I want to walk with you, run with you, sleep with you, eat with you. And when I eat with you, I want Everpuff. The green grassy beef liver spike smell wakes my senses. You may not realize this, but it tastes like homemade gravy, especially when you wet it. It infuses any food you give me with health and life and vibrancy. I can feel it, Everpuff. Traveling to every cell in my body nourishing each one. It helps me feel like I'm on top of the world I'm so glad you're giving it to me every day because every day. I'm so glad to be with you I wouldn't have it any other way. I want my Everpup. It just makes me feel good I am so grateful to be your dog and for the Everpup you give me So now that you know what your dog wants, get Everpup, the ultimate dog supplement. Everpup is available in select pet shops and on Amazon. But to get the best price possible, join the Everpup Club at everpupclub.com, where you'll get your first jar for just $8 with free shipping anywhere in the U.S. Go to everpupclub.com and use the discount code DPN. That is everpupclub.com. Everpup every day. Our next story takes us to Alabama, where we will
1: introduce you to a mummy dog. Mummy dog, Claire? (laughs) Yeah, this is is a really crazy story. So it starts in the 1960s. As many crazy things do. (laughs) Yeah, it's true, actually. There's a guy out in Alabama. He's hunting for raccoons with his dog, and one of his dogs runs off. And that is the last he ever sees of him. It turns out that this dog chased a raccoon up the inside of a tree. So it was a hollowed out tree. Dog mm. went up and up and up in this tree. And it got narrower and narrower and narrower as he got high up. And 30 feet off the ground, the dog got wedged into the tree and sadly passed away. Twenty years and the guy later, and never,
0: didn't make any noise. Evidently, because he couldn't find the dog.
1: Well, it's thirty feet off the ground, and it was in a forest. And they said that back in the sixties, what they would do if they lost a dog was they would take out, you know, an item of clothing with the hunter's scent on it and leave yeah. it in a location, and then they would hope the dog came back to it and they'd keep checking it. And this dog never came back to the the scented bit of clothing because it was obviously stuck in the tree. Mm-hmm. So. Fast forward to 1980 and the tree was felled and they didn't cut them on site in those days. They cut just literally this huge length of the trunk, loaded it onto the back of the truck to take it away. And one of the guys who'd been involved in the felling looked down this tree and saw this extraordinary mummified dog in the tree. It is quite a picture. It's amazing. And so this tree has ended up now in a museum in Alabama, which is the Southern Forest World Museum. And you can see this dog that is wedged into this really tight space, having climbed up inside the tree and is almost perfectly preserved. And they say the reason it's so well preserved is because the sort of tannins in the oak kind of preserved it. And the, and the shape of the tree, the All the decomposing scents, if you like, went out the top like a chimney. So no animals attacked it because they couldn't smell that this decomposing dog. It's an incredible story.
0: Was the raccoon in there as well, or just (laughs) the dog?
1: Well, the raccoon, being slightly smaller, you see, managed to escape out the top because... I guess they have been using that as their escape route and zipping Uh, up the tree, hence why the dog was driven crazy by the scent. And you know what these hounds are like? They get hold of a scent and they just will not stop. I mean, mm -hmm. I've owned a hound and they just go after it. And this dog was one of them.
0: Mm. Well, it's an extraordinary image. And if you're listening to the audio podcast, I want to let you know that we will have a link to that in today's show notes. And of course, if you're watching it on YouTube, you can see his face right now.
1: Yeah, it's a scary old face, isn't it? Can you imagine? Can you imagine this guy who had loaded it on the back of this flatbed and just was looking along the logs and suddenly saw that leaping out at you? It's terrifying.
0: Mm. Yeah, he uh, he doesn't look very happy. A few years ago, the museum ran a contest so people could name the dog, and the name that stuck was Stucky. <laughs> Appropriately enough. I
1: see what you did there.
0: Yeah, there we go. Well, that is all we have for on today's episode. I want to thank you for listening or watching whichever medium you enjoy us on. I hope you will subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app as well as on YouTube because that helps other people discover Dog Podcast Network and this show, Hound Headlines. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please do. The best way to do that is to reach out via our website, dogpodcastnetwork.com. Or if you'd like to use email, we have an email now that you can write us at info at dogpodcastnetwork.com. And we do read all of our communications, and we appreciate it when you tell other people about DPN.
1: We'd like to thank our sponsors, EverPup, the ultimate daily dog supplement. I'm Claire Mansell.
0: And I'm James Jacobson. On behalf of all of us here at Dog Podcast Network, I'd like to wish you and your dog a very warm aloha.
1: Is artificial intelligence going to change veterinary medicine?